order so you know what's coming up. Um, uh, so the, we've, we've been talking about discipleship as a church and, and much more than just, you know, a series. We're not, like, this is, you know, we've been talking about for six weeks. But this isn't something that, that even though next week we jump to a new series, that all of a sudden discipleship ends and we're just sort of, all right, now we're, we're done. Okay, now that's behind us and now we can move on to something else. We won't, as a church, as, for you as a, as a follower of Jesus, you don't move on from discipleship. You don't say, okay, great, did that, now what? Show me something else, like teach me something new. So, so even though this is the end of our series, this is by no means will this be the end of discipleship because as a part of this series is, is a really a vision shift of our church and in a kind of a direction to say, no, 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 as a church, we're focusing on discipleship in all areas, in all stages of life, in all ages, we're focusing on what discipleship is and looks like. And, and one of the things that we talked about, uh, I think the first week was, was a, um, a redefinition of the role of the professional pastor to, to, really, um, to really get a biblical definition of what it means to be in ministry and have to, a, a, like a minister. And because I imagine, I imagine in so many churches and currently, but it may be even your experience growing up in church, that the mentality was, well, we pay the pastor to, at the church and we pay the, the ministers and we pay the staff. So it's their job to do all the work. I pay you so I don't have to. <laughs> That's kind of the mentality. You're supposed to go do all this and that way we don't have to. And, and when you open the scriptures and you read through like what the church looks like, how it's set up, that's not at all the role of a minister. The role of a minister is not what maybe many of us have either taught or caught and by what we've seen. It really is something different. And it's this. In Colossians chapter one, Paul says in verse 28, him we proclaim. Now he's talking about his role as a, as a minister. This is what I'm doing. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And here's why. Here's, the, here's his role. Here's the reason he does ministry. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. That the role of the pastor, the role of the, like the church, the professional Christian, so to speak. Um, I, I, uh, my father-in-law has a, a, a wonderful joke. And, uh, and it's, well, he, was a, he was a pastor on staff. And, and so I'm stealing this joke. All credit where credit is due. And he would say this. I'm paid to be good. As a pastor, you guys are good for nothing. <laughs> like, that's a good joke. That's a good joke. You can use that. Like so many times we think just because the guys, the, the person is paid, this their job to do all this, but that's not the role. The role of the person, like the, the role of the pastors on, and the ministers and the staff is to help mature everyone in the church and not to do it for them. I, I listen, I can't, I cannot read your Bible for you. I can't do it. I cannot, I cannot help you like mature you and grow you in your faith against your will. If you don't want to, I cannot, I cannot pray for you. I mean, I, I can pray for you, but I, I can't pray in your place. Like my prayers aren't your prayers. I can pray as much as I want about you, but it's still not you having a relationship, communicating with the Lord. So there's only so much we can do where you, and, and where you get to a point where you, you realize 
You do, you personally, I have to take on my spiritual maturity, my relationship with the Lord. I have to take that on as I'm the only one. I'm the only one that can control my spiritual walk. And it really does, it really does depend on you and and what you want to get out of your relationship with God and what you want it to look like and and what you want that experience to be. And and it's why so many people can even, even... even as like older Christians that have been in the faith for a long time, they can still be spiritually stunted because they, they haven't really grown much. And then there's others that have been a Christian for a year, two years, and, and they're like soaring, like they're growing leaps and bounds because it's, it's like, I, want the, I am taking this seriously. The job, my job, is not to do all the work for the church. My job is to help equip the saints for the works of ministry and to help mature, help grow people in their maturity. That's the job. So this is the, as we've been talking about discipleship now for, this is now week six, um, this is kind of the overarching, the overarching theme of not just today, though it is today, but the whole thing. And that is this, that we, you, me, we have been called to be disciples, and this is the harder part, to make disciples. All of us are called to be, be disciples and to make disciples. That it isn't enough for you to just say, I'm gonna grow in my faith and I'm gonna keep it to myself. That there really is a, a, a component in which, which Jesus says, great, but this news is too good for you to keep to yourself. So what are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do to help Go make disciples. Um, the, the, the mission of Jesus, the marching orders of the church comes in Matthew 28. I think we've been probably addressed this, I think maybe every week in this series because it's that important. Jesus' final words before he ascends, before he goes to heaven is this. He says this. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. I have all of it now. Therefore, here's what I want you to do. Go and make Disciples. Not go and make converts. Not go and make churchgoers. Go and make people who have great church attendance. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm not leaving you alone in this. I'm with you always and this is your job to become disciples and to go make disciples. That is a high calling. That is a scary calling. But listen, ready? It is a very doable calling to be a disciple and to go make disciples. Wherever you are in your faith, I promise you, wherever you are in your faith, you can get to this point. You can do this. You really can we're called to be disciples and to make disciples. It's not optional. And, and Jesus gives us, um, he gives us the pattern. And, and, it's, and it's the same pattern he uses when he calls disciples to him. Like in the scriptures, when he would call his disciples, here's what he said. In Matthew chapter four, he's beginning ministry. He's beginning the, 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 the kind of building his discipleship, his 12 disciples. And he says this, it says, and he said to them, he, Jesus said to these fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the process Jesus uses, and this is the process he gives to us, and it's this, it's this, this, this process of discipleship, and it starts with following Jesus. He says, hey, follow me. Before we do anything else, you 
follow me. You have to make a decision that I'm going to put my faith in Jesus before you do anything else, before, before any of this other stuff makes sense or even is like doable, you have to make this decision to say, I'm choosing to become a follower of Jesus. And then, and then I'm gonna begin this process of, of discipleship, but, but it can't start until you say, I'm in. If the disciples had said no to Jesus, then they wouldn't, they would have stopped right there. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If they said, now nah, we're good, okay? I guess I can't use you. I'll move on to the next one. Follow me. So it starts with following Jesus. And then he says, I will make you. That, that not only are you following Jesus, but you are being changed by Jesus. You are allowing yourself to be changed by Jesus. This is the cool part of this process. That it's not, discipleship is not you saying, I'm gonna do less bad stuff and I'm gonna do more good stuff and I'm gonna try really, really hard to get it right. And I'm gonna mess up and it's gonna be really bad when I mess up, but I'll try and figure it out. It's not about you getting your life in order and saying like, I'm gonna earn my way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get better on my own strength. That, that there really is, there really is when you think about discipleship and we walk through this process and we, even this morning as we talk about it, there really is a, a moment where you say this is, like Jesus says, he's going to make me a disciple. That he has a role to play in this. It's not you on your own, but rather you saying, all right, Lord, I chose to follow you, I'm in, I'm a follower of yours. Okay, now you promised, you promised now to have a role in my growth. Okay, I want that. It's allowing Jesus to now change you. He has a role in your life. You can resist that or you can say, all right, I, I want it. Whatever that is, Lord, okay. So it's following Jesus, it's being changed by Jesus. He says, follow me, I, Jesus, will make you. And then it's being on mission with Jesus. What he does is he makes you fishers of men. That you have a calling now, and the calling isn't that you just get better all by yourself. It isn't that you just become kind of a, a beacon of knowledge and, 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 and this kind of self-growth and like you're just gonna grow and become this wonderful, great person. The, the mission that he has for you is not, is not that you would learn all this stuff and grow and, and, and keep it to yourself. The mission, he says, all right, now your job is to go do this with other people. To be a disciple and to make disciples. A high calling. Here's what's cool. It's never, it's never too late to join the mission of Jesus. As long as you're breathing, and I'm looking around, I see, I think most of us are currently breathing, it looks like. As long as you're breathing, there's time. There's time. It's never too late to join the mission of Jesus. It's never too late to take serious Jesus's call to become his disciple. I, um, just yesterday, I got, to, um, I got to FaceTime with my uncle. He's currently in the hospital and has cancer and, and the family's with him. And, you know, we're praying for, the, for God's healing and what's next, but, uh, you know, who knows what's gonna happen. And, 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 um, uh, and, and it was so cool because uh, I got to FaceTime with him and the family, they're all there. And he got to talk about how he lived much of his life not in faith and, and in the last few years has returned and is like, I'm, I, I'm, if, if this is God's will for me and this is, the, I'm, this is supposed to be you know, my, my, my transition to the next, I'm ready and I can't wait. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh. Like, I, I, like, for more years I've known him than not, that wasn't true. And like, wow, here's my, my uncle. uncle. I don't know if you're watching again. I think they watched first hour, but... Dude, I, I, I love that. I love 
that. It's nev- Listen, it is never too late to take serious Jesus' call for you to become his disciple. So let's talk about discipleship and what it means for you. All right, I want to be a disciple. Okay, we've been talking about this for weeks, but now let's, let's look at a very kind of easy, tangible process to say, all right, this is, these are the things I need to be thinking about specifically like you, specifically for you that I can't do for you. The first is this. Discipleship requires submission to Jesus. It requires humility and a willingness to submit to Jesus' authority that you say, you really are the master and I am the servant. I am beneath you. I am the, I am the student and you are my teacher. And so uh, like, it, this, isn't, this isn't you and I at odds. Most, for most of us, like maybe some of our experience in our walk in the Lord has been, well, I wanna do this, but he seems to be against me. And it's like this, this battle of wills of who's gonna, like whose will wins out. And in reality, a disciple says, it's not like, Jesus, I submit to you and you're in charge here and whatever you want. And if there's an issue where you and I maybe like disagree or, or you read something, you're like, I don't really know if I like how he said that. Guess who loses in that battle? A real disciple says, I submit to you. I don't have to even like it and say, man, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I, like you told me to, to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. I don't want to pray for those who persecute me, but it's not my call, okay? I submit to your will, even though I don't want to do it. I don't like it. They're my enemies, Lord. They're your enemies too. This is a terrible person. I have to pray for this terrible person? Oh, man, you know why? Because, Brandon, you're a terrible person. <laughs> and people were praying for you. Like, yeah, all right. Fine, Lord, you're right again. <laughs> there is a level in which like, you have to get to a point where you say, if there's ever a disagreement between me and the Lord, he wins. It's not even a fight. It's like a, I lay down, my, I don't, I don't, who am I to argue with you, Lord? So I, a, a disciple, a, a discipleship means require, it requires submission to Jesus. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 9. Jesus, he's speaking and he says this. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever, you, any of you, you wanna be my disciple? Great, here's what you gotta do. You must deny, he says, they wanna be my disciple, they must deny themselves. Well, I just wanna learn. No, 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 that's not where you start. You don't start by learning. You start by denying yourself and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But, but, If you give up your life, whoever loses their life for me, that person will save it. Here's, this is like, this can be confusing for some of us. The the Greek word for deny literally means like a a complete denial of self-interest. It's not this. This this like deny themselves is not you give up all things unique to you or or any, any, any specific purpose or desire that you have. Denying yourself doesn't mean, well, I guess I... I have to give up like the career I want. I have to give up, I have to give up the, what I want for the family, um, denying myself. Like, I don't want to be selfish. So, so I, guess, I guess I just, it changes how, how we do it with our finances. Denying yourself does not mean losing your identity as like a person or as a follower of Jesus. Here's what it means. Ready? Okay. You taking notes? I, think, I see some of you. Some of you are great pupils right now. Good. Denying yourself means submitting whatever you want under what he wants for you. 
It doesn't mean you don't want what you, like, like, a, 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 like a, a specific thing in life or a direction to move. It also doesn't mean that all of a sudden, like, you, like denying yourself means hating yourself. Do you know why we know it doesn't mean hating yourself? This denying yourself doesn't mean, like, ending, like, your own, like, desires and wants. Because the great commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. There is a level here in which you are supposed to love yourself and you're supposed to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. It isn't, I hate myself and I love them. It's, listen, I, 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 listen legitimately, I want, I want what's best for my life. I really do. I want you to have what's best for your life. And I also recognize that God knows what's best for my life and I can mess that up. I can get in the way of that. So my job then is to say, Lord, I submit whatever my will is, whatever I want, to your will. I deny myself as, as being the, the supreme authority over my life and I submit to you. All right, I'll take up my cross daily and say, it's not what I will, but what you will. Like Jesus, it's not what I want, Lord. It's what you want, whatever you want. It requires submission to Jesus. So how do we do this? How do we live this life of submission? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four, as a prisoner that for the Lord, then who's a guy who's given himself his life to the Lord and said, I'm, I'm your servant and, and whatever, Lord, your will be done in my life, not mine. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Okay, here's how you do that. How do I live a life worthy of this calling? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Here's, here's what it is. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. Ready? Be humble. Okay, check. Got it, Lord. No, no, I don't think you, Brandon, I don't think you do. No, no, no. Seriously, Lord, I'm super humble. I'm more humble than all these people. I don't think you are. I think you just failed the test. Be humble. Okay. That is a lifetime. Be gentle. Okay. I'm super gentle. Here's, here's, the, here's the quiz. Here's how, you, here's how you can determine if you are a gentle person or not. Uh, it's really easy, okay? Ask your family if they would describe you as being gentle. If you have kids, ask your, hey, kids, when I speak, do, I, do you think my words are gentle? <laughs> and, and when they laugh, you know you failed the test. <laughs> ask your spouse, hey, how gentle do you think I am? Well, is this like on a scale of one to 10? Because you're probably a minus 10. I'm like, oh, that's not even an option. Well, it is with you. Like, all right. Are you a gentle person? Now, now let me talk about gentleness because gentleness gets a bad rap and, and gentleness, um, gentleness often is like we think of meekness and which it is. And, and we think of gentleness and meekness as weakness. We often think of someone as gentle as being weak, but that's not at all what gentleness is. It, it, like we, we think, and maybe it's because of our, our Western culture where we think you got to be tough and you got to be hard and you got to, if someone does something to you, you do it back to them and you got to stand your ground. And, and okay, sure, but gentleness is this. Gentleness is how you interact with an infant. When you hold an infant who's fragile and delicate and you know that your strength far outweighs theirs. And so you gently hold a child. That's gentleness. It's not because I'm weak. It's the opposite. It's actually because I am so much stronger than them, I have to tone down my strength right now to make sure I don't harm them. That's gentleness. 
when you're gentle with other people, it's not because like, oh, you're weak. It's, it's you saying, no, 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 I understand, I understand how fragile people can be and how, and how, much, they, how much love people need. And, and so I'm going to be gentle because a harsh tone can end a relationship. A harsh tone can create division in a family, in a, in a, in a marriage with kids. So, so I want to be gentle because I know, I know the result and the outcome if I'm, too, if I'm too hard. It's not because you're weak. It's the opposite. It's actually strength that you restrain for the sake of relationship. So be gentle and be patient. This is the easiest one on the list. Just, you can't leave your house. You can't talk to people. You can't know, be involved in anyone's lives and no one can call you. <laughs> Other than that, it's really easy to be patient. These are the things that, by the way, like if, if, you're, if you are serious, and, and I think you should be, if you're serious about growing your faith, these are the things that when you pray for, you have to be careful. Because praying, Lord, make me more humble, or Lord, make me a gentle person, or Lord, make me more patient. It's not like, it's not like the Matrix. That's an old movie now, but you remember you plug in and then he's like, oh, and he wakes like, I know Kung Fu. Like, okay. It isn't like this, Lord, make me humble. And you're like, boom, I am so humble. <laughs> like, oh Lord, I wanna be patient. Boom, I am so much more patient. Here's what happens. God puts you in circumstances in which you can now, you can now grow that muscle. I now grow and strengthen the muscle of humility by, put it, by being put in places where I, it'd be really easy to be prideful right now. And like, okay, I need to, uh, to understand what it means to be humble and to be gentle and to be patient. He puts me in circumstances in which it's gonna test my patience. And that's how I grow in my patience is by learning, is by learning to be in that situation and say, no, 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 I wanna be patient. God calls me to be patient. This is the moment in which I have to exercise Patience. When you pray for these things, all of a sudden, things in your life, situations you find yourself in, allow you to not be these things. And part of growing up is then recognizing, all right, I gotta grow in these areas. Discipleship requires submission to Jesus. It does. Now, what about submission? How do I, okay, so maybe you're at this place, you say, all right, I, I'm, I'm submission to Jesus, I'm submitting to Jesus, and 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 I've done that. All right, now, a couple things. First, have you done it daily? You do this daily, like, like Jesus says, take up your cross daily. This isn't a one-time deal. This is every single day, Lord, today, today. Yesterday, I didn't do such a great job, but today, I submit to you. Tomorrow, I'm gonna submit to you. What does submission look like? Submission requires obedience to Jesus. Submission to Jesus involves wholehearted obedience. So submission then is saying, I will obey whatever you ask. This is the same with, with families, like with our kids. What you want from your kids is, is not like, you want submission. You know, pa- uh, children, submit to your parents for this honors the Lord. Great. The S word submission has got a bad rap because it's got so much baggage attached to it, and I get it. But it really is a, a beneficial, like, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want, I want you to understand and to respect the person that is over you, and that's what submission looks like. And, and it looks like obedience. So when you, if you have kids, whether they're young or, or you know, as they get older, here's what you're asking for. You're not saying, like, submit to me, like, get under my, you know, under my boot, like, you submit or else. Here's what you want, ready? You're saying this. Submission for kids is just obey mom and dad. Can you just obey mom and dad? 
And then that comes with about 14 questions, all starting with why. <laughs> and you're like, and then you have to have good answers for that. Um, you know, of, of which like, because I said so is usually the first answer, not a great answer. And, be, and you know, it's not a great answer because when your mom said that to you, you didn't like that answer, like, because I said so. But, but there really is, like, what you want, what you really are looking for is your kids to say, all right, mom, I'll do what you ask. Oh, all right, dad. All right, I'll help because you asked. What, who, first of all, where's my child? What have you done with him? <laughs> like, but, but that's what it means. That's what it means to submit, to say, I will, all right, I'll obey. Here's what Jesus says in, in John chapter 15. And John chapter 15 is a great an incredible passage where Jesus is given almost like a sermon and he's preaching about what it means to stay connected to him, what it means to be in a relationship with him. And he says this in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Here's what he defines it as, ready? Obedience. If you keep my commandments, and, and the opposite is also true, you cannot keep them. You have that option to not keep the commandments, to, to not do what Jesus asked. You have that option. And he says, if you keep my commandments, if you do what I ask, then you will be in relationship with me just like I keep my father's commandments. And I'm in relationship with him. Your job then, submission, looks like obedience. And, and it means following his teachings, loving as he loves, loving the people he loves, and, and being like Jesus. And, and like I, the, you know, the bracelet from you know, decades ago, the what would Jesus do, is kind of cheesy, but it also is helpful and to think, all right, how would Jesus interact or what would Jesus do in this situation? Okay, obedience and submission looks like doing that. Let me say something else about obedience. So many times um, in people's lives, um, I think we can, uh, we tend to want to pass obedience down the line, to kick the can down the road, so to speak. Well, later in life, I'll do this or that. Or maybe when I'm older, I'll do this. This happens a lot when, when, especially for teenagers as they leave the faith. Well, maybe, maybe when I have kids of my own, I'll go back to church and then I'll go do all this stuff, but I just wanna go live my life. Don't tell me how to live my life. I wanna go do it. Or maybe it, in certain areas of our lives where, where like, we know that God is calling things out that we say, later on, I'll deal with that. Right now, I just, I just don't have time. Listen, we can say this, delayed obedience I'll, I'll do that later on. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's not, later on I'll do that. It's not, hey, dad, I know you asked me to mow the lawn. I'll do that next week. No, no, no. I, can, can, you, can you mow the lawn today? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll mow the lawn next week. No, no, no. That's not obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You saying, all right, Lord's calling me to do this stuff. He wants me to submit. He wants me to obey. I'll do that later in life. I'm, God, I'm, I'm kind of busy right now. I don't know if I have time for all of this, like discipleship stuff. I don't know if I have time to grow in my relationship with you. I'll do that later. He looks at that and says, that is not what I'm asking you to do, to do this later. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Wanting to do the right thing Waiting to do the right thing is not doing the right thing. So submission requires obedience to Jesus. Obedience requires this. How do I obey? Ready? Re obedience requires listening to Jesus. How do I submit to Jesus? You obey him. Okay. How do I obey? You listen. Again, with your kids, if you have kids or maybe grown kids or grandkids, here's what you want. Ready? I want you to listen. 
In our house, we, we try, the, the, the easily, the biggest battle we face is electronics and the like phone or iPad or whatever. And so we'll say like, you can't have these till a certain time of the day because you, when you have these things in your hand, you are a zombie and there is no life in your brain and you can't hear anything. And, and we'll do this, you know, they'll be on their thing and it's not bad stuff. Like, you know, like my son will be checking his, uh, you know, fantasy football scores. I'm like, first of all, good on you. Keep up. Good life, man. I'm trading you well. But, but he's doing this and, and then we're trying to talk and it's like, you know, do you hear what I said? Yeah. what I say? Uh... I don't know, something about what you wanted me to do or something. Yeah, okay, great job. Now listen, that is not obedience. It's not submission. Submission and obedience requires listening. And it's the same with you in your faith. That you, if you're saying, I want to obey Jesus, you know what that means? It means you've got to listen to him. How do you know what he wants? How do you know what you're supposed to do if you're not listening? If you have no idea what God wants from you, how are you going to obey it? You get, we can say every day, I submit, Lord, and I want to do what you ask. And, and then he says, would well, you know what I ask? I don't know. I wasn't really listening. Oh, you're just like your child that isn't listening. You are that person. Here's what we see in, in Isaiah 66. God tells, like, specifically those who he looks on with favor, those who he looks on and says, like, this is what I want. Isaiah 66, verse two. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. Man, there it is again. Okay, humility seems to be a big deal. And who tremble at my word. They listen and they take it seriously. Here's what that means, ready? You and I, we have the word here. We have have God's word. It's written down for us. Here's what he says. The ones I look on in favor, okay, those who are humble, who who aren't pride, but who also... They open this up and they take it seriously. And, and there's, they're reverent. There's, this, there is not, they're not flippant with this. Uh, if I get to it, and I don't really like what you said there. I'll skip that one. And I don't, I don't like the specific language you said this with. And it, you know, it feels kind of harsh. I actually think, I actually prefer this. No, no, no. The one who opens this and says, God, this is your word. Who am I? Who am I? to try to correct it. So I, I get in a room by myself and I open this and I read it and I take seriously what it says and I want to do what it says. That's what it means to submit and to obey Jesus, to, to walk in obedience to Jesus is to open this up and to say, I'm going to listen to what you have to say to me. Ooh. The, uh, uh, there's been, you know, all kinds of studies done in, in, in spiritual growth and, and people growing in their faith and church growth. And, and every single survey, in every single one, the single greatest factor in someone's spiritual walk and their, and their closeness with the Lord and their growth in their relationship, every single one is this, their involvement and interaction with the Bible. It's at the top of every list, easily, by far. It's not even, it's not even the second place isn't even close. That the greatest thing you could do for yourself in discipleship is to open this and start reading it every day. Not as a chore, but, but because you get to. I'm going to listen. Lord, today I'm going to listen for you. I'm going to listen and tremble at your word. Here's, here's the goal. Here's one of the things, too, that, that happens. And, I, and I, hope, 
I hope we can move on from this. And, and, and I'll, it's gonna sound a little weird, but, but it'll make sense. And you'll realize once again, man, Brandon's right yet again, yet again. He just, he just knows. So many of us, so many of us read the Bible and we have this me and Jesus attitude where it's just me and Jesus against the world. And I have this personal relationship. And you do. You, you absolutely do have a personal relationship with the Lord. I, assuming you're a follower of his. And, and you open this up and you're like, all right, Jesus, speak to me. And it's just you and me. And I have this special relationship. And here's where this comes out. And, and you feel like he speaks to you in a way that's different than anyone else. And, and, and here's what this looks like man, God told me, and then you just tell someone else what God, what God told you as though that's somehow authoritative. I've had people, and, and here's how, like, as silly as this can be, it can be, it can be really hard. I've had, I've had guys come and tell me, they, uh, they, they and their wife get pregnant, and uh, I guess the wife gets pregnant, and, you know, he watches. And, 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 and I remember one guy in particular, I've had this happen a number of times, that he comes and says, man, God told me I'm going to have a boy. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Nine months later, he introduces me to his daughter. <laughs> oh, God told you. God told you you're going to have a boy. I've had some people say, uh, God told me I'm going to get this job and I'm applying for it. And like, I'm just believing in faith. And, and God, God told me I'm specifically going to get this job. And, and oh, man, they passed you over and hired someone else. Man, that's too bad. Yeah, but, I, you know, there's another job out there. Okay. Now, these are little things, but this whole, like, God told me thing is, like, just be really careful because it can be damaging for you. Because what happens when it's wrong? What happens? Either God is wrong, and he got it wrong, and he didn't get it right, and he, and he forgot what gender he told you, and he messed up. Or you're wrong, and you, you never heard the Lord. It wasn't God telling you. Thus saith the Lord. We, 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 this happens so many times in churches and on stages, and I get weary every time, and I'm a guy on a stage, and, and I'm so reluctant to tell you ever that well, God told me as though, as though it somehow applies to you. And, and this is the worst one. If someone ever says this to you, just be, again, be humble, be gentle, be patient, but just, you know, you come tell me and I'll deal with it. If they ever say this, God told me that you're supposed to go X, Y, Z. God told me that you need to, hold on. My response every time, every single, people stop saying this to me. Every time my response is, well, can you ask him to tell me so I can get it firsthand? Because coming secondhand, you know what we call that? Gossip. You are sharing the Lord's gossip. How dare you, sinner, get out of my office. I never said that. But, But there is a level, listen, there is a level in which someone says, God told me, you're supposed to. Now, there may be instances where that's true, but listen, I take that and I say, okay, let's prove it. Let's prove it. Like, if he wants me to do that, all right, Lord, tell me that. Tell me that thing. This happens, you know, I've seen this so many times in dating relationships. We're like, Lord told me I'm gonna marry you. And she's like, uh, creep, I'm, heck no, <laughs> right? Like, no way he told you that because uh, he's not telling me that. So like, there's, so, if, whenever you hear, and God told me, all right, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not, God does speak to us, absolutely. But we get this mentality, it's like, it's me and him, and then all of you have to submit to the authority of what God told me. Man, nope, I'm not in on, I didn't sign on for that. We have to move from me and God to, ready for this? We and God. 
Here's what God really does care about. Collectively, he has told us in his word, here's what I want for you all, the church. We looked at this last week. Paul's writing was plural. You all, all of you. This applies to all of you. Instead of me and Jesus, that God told me, and therefore you guys have to all submit to what God told me, my will is his will. And so there, instead to say, what does God want for us? What does he want for you and me collectively? All right, now we're getting somewhere. And that we see in scripture. And so we move from this like me and God and me and Jesus to we and Jesus. Obedience requires listening to Jesus and you have it right here. You have what he wants for you. We've been called to be disciples and to make disciples. So where are you in your relationship? We've been going through this wheel, this discipleship wheel the past uh, this past number of weeks. And, and so we'll look at it this one last time on a Sunday, at least, at least uh, part of the series. We're gonna continue to reference this. This is gonna become, this is kind of our new discipleship process pathway, so to speak. And, and, and we've looked at these categories. So we'll kind of zoom in in each, in each quadrant here to get a, a, a good peek at it. So the, the first one is, is that the first category is someone who's spiritually lost. Someone who doesn't know Jesus. And before you even do anything else, before we talk about discipleship, your job is to hear and respond to the gospel. That's it. What do I do next? No, no, no. You got to decide to, when he says, come and follow me, you got to decide to follow me. Like you, you have to follow Jesus first. And then you make this decision with the Bible calls salvation. And, and it gives this reference to being born again. The reason we use this language is because the Bible uses this language about, about literally new birth and now you're a spiritual infant. And we say, all right, you're brand new to the faith and you're just learning. You're lear- it's all new. I went through this. I, I didn't grow up in church. I was uh, spiritually lost for decades. And then, and then all of a sudden, I started like, getting through a, a whole process of events. I decided to become a Christian, to put my faith in Jesus. It takes a year. It takes two years for me to go from here to here. Just, just that little movement on this chart took me two years. And then I started to grow and I discovered new life in Christ and new truths and new habits and how to read my Bible. And they're like, hey, here you go. Here's a Bible, read it. And I, you know, I, like most books, you start on page one. So I didn't know you could skip around. I thought that was like sin. So I'm like, all right, Genesis chapter one. And I'm going through and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm like highlighting the whole thing. It's like the whole page is yellow. So, you know, went from a white page to a yellow page. <laughs> like, like awesome Bible. And, and then I get, I remember I'm reading and it's like, awesome, awesome. I get to Leviticus and I'm going, man, this is tough. I'm like, when am I gonna get to this Jesus character everyone's talking about? And I'm like, and then I realized, oh, that's New Testament. Like, that's like 2000 pages from now. I'm going, I'm never gonna get there. And then a guy goes, Brandon, just skip to it. What? Yeah, just go read. Just go read the gospels. You, you, can, you can do that? <laughs> like, I had no idea, no clue. So he's like, yeah, just read, read the gospel of John. Oh man, changed my life. Awesome. So as a spiritual infant, you don't know what you don't know. And then you kind of continue to grow. Just like in a real, as a real person, you become a spiritual child and you're still required, like you still need people to help feed you, but you're, do, you're growing. You're not an infant now learning all this stuff. Now it's just a matter of doing it. So you connect with God. We want, connect in a small group, connect to God's purpose for your life. This is where um, people will grow in their faith, but they'll say things like this. They'll say things like this. Well, I just, I'm, I need to be spiritually fed. Children say that every night at dinner. Mom, feed me. <laughs> I, or they'll say this. I'm not being spiritually fed. That is a sign of a spiritual child who's requiring other people to feed them. And then as you grow, you continue to like, like uh, grow in your faith and, and uh, you move to this grow phase. You become a spiritual young adult where now it's not about me growing. Like when you move out of the house, 
you move out of the house, you're a grown adult now, right? And you don't get to call mom and be like, mom, what's for dinner? Like, oh, dude, we did our job. We, you're out of the house, man. You're on your own. Like, sorry. All of a sudden, you have to start doing this yourself and you're growing your faith and you're, now all of a sudden you're thinking about other people and you're serving and then you serve regularly in ministry where now it's no longer about like, feed me, feed me, feed me. I'm not being fed. Now it's about, no, 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 let me give. How can I help give and invest in other people? How can I serve the body of Christ instead of just continue to, to like require everyone else to serve me. That is now someone who's growing in their faith. And then we get to the last category, a spiritual parent. And this is someone who is, their job now is much more than a young adult. Now they're investing and taking on responsibility of discipling someone else. Just like a real parent. Your life, once you become a parent, your life is no longer yours. You, like the kids own you, <laughs> like whatever, like, and, and willingly, you willingly, you love your kids so much, you wanna do anything and everything for them. And spiritually, you now say, I want to help invest in someone else, in their spiritual walk. And I wanna help disciple them. And, and I can talk about the discipleship process. I can get some experience doing it with someone else. And then I'm gonna do this, go disciple someone. Awesome. That's this process. Now, um, we have on this chart, we have all of the things that we, like as a church, we're saying, here's what, in each of these categories, what you can and like could be doing, your next step. Don't be overwhelmed by this, okay? Throw up the next one, throw, we're all in there, okay? Don't be overwhelmed by this. This is not to say, here, like starting tomorrow, do all of this stuff, that would be crazy. Your job is to see where you are on this chart and say, what's the next thing I'm supposed to do? The one next thing. Not all of them. And, and it may change. You may have been at some point a young adult in your faith and you realize, man, I backslid and I haven't been serious and I, I think I'm back to a spiritual child. Okay, great. You know where you are and now you know how to go to the next spot. Like you know where you wanna go. All right, that's fine. And it can change daily, right? There's sometimes I'm like, man, I'm feeling it. And then I'll you know, talk to my wife and she'll be like, you're such a child. <laughs> like, it happens a lot. But, but, I, but like, it's not like I'm there and, and I'm stuck and, or I'm here and I'm stuck. This, the, the whole purpose of this is not, is not to make, make you feel overwhelmed, but to say, all right, here's where I think I am. And I haven't been doing this. And it's been a while since I've been in a small group. Maybe that's our thing. I haven't been reading my Bible. I think I'm down here. I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young adult. But man, I can't remember the last time I went through a specific Bible reading plan or, or uh, to begin tithing. And, and you look at this and you say, all right, here's the things I did when I started, a baptized and starting point and ch- start attending church and begin reading my Bible, begin praying. And, and, and that's maybe where things have stopped. And, and maybe it's been a while since you've done any of these things. Before you even get to this half of the chart, you're looking at this saying, I just need to start. I need to open up and listen to God's word. All right. You focus on that. And then when you're ready for the next step, you kind of move along. And so this, this you can see, is a, is a, a process that takes a long time. I tell you, this, is a, this is a lifetime. This is not a, hey, we did this in six weeks. We talked about discipleship. Now let's move on. No, no, no. This is what we're going to be focused on and doing as, as a, collectively as a group as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. And we'll help, we'll offer these classes and we'll talk more about these um, even next week as, as we launch these in, in November and, and we have a couple classes coming up to help you grow in your faith and, and, and grow in your understanding of who God is. But here's my challenge for you, okay? Before you, like right, literally right now in your chair, I want you to think through, where are you on this chart? Where are you? Right now. Put an X, just you know, right where you think you are. I'm a, I used to be a young adult. Now I'm, I'm probably more of a child. Or man, I'm right at the 
I'm right at the cusp. I think I'm growing in my faith. Or maybe, man, I didn't realize. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I might be still an infant, still learning, still growing, still trying to figure this out. Wherever you are, mark it. And be honest, right? No one else is checking your work here. No one's going to know that, you know, what you pick. And then, and then what you do is for yourself, you say, all right, this is the next thing I, get, I need to do. This is the next thing I need to focus on in my discipleship, my walk with Jesus. So what we're talking about is listening, which leads to obedience, which leads to submission. I need to listen to the word. I need to obey Jesus and submit. We have been called to be disciples and to make disciples. And here's what that means. Ready? You have been called. You specifically have been called to be a disciple of Jesus. And you have been called to make disciples. That's a high calling. But it's one that as we grow, I promise you, you can do it. So would you do this? Would you stand with me as we, as we pray and then worship the Lord and then we, we go out into our lives, into our world, and we say, all right, Lord, help us to, to be disciples and to go out and to, to share this. This good news is too good to keep to ourselves. So will you pray with me? Lord, we, we, we thank you that you've saved us. We thank you for the cross. And we take serious this calling to be disciples and to make disciples. Will you help us? Will you grow us in our faith? Will you show us areas that you are changing us to become the kind of people you want us to be? And will you help us invest in the lives of those around us? We love you, Lord. We worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.